Welcome to Scooped Podcast presented by Diggin Magazine, where you get the inside scoop on all things entertainment and culture. This week, we feature AFI Fest and AFI Summit presented by Audi. We're spotlighting panels and Q&A discussions with MTV Studios' new movie, Pink Skies Ahead, with writer-director Kelly Oxford and lead actress Jessica Barden, as well as Rachel Brosnahan and a tribute to Sofia Coppola with conversation and much more. Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, senior documentary programmer, AFI Festivals, and uh, I want to welcome you to AFI Fest 2020 and to the AFI Summit presented by Audi and today's, to today's session centering characters with mental health conditions in film and television, moderated by Dr. Stacey L. Smith. First, I want to thank our supporters of the festival, our presenting sponsor, Audi, our AFI members, and you, our audience. I also want to thank our moderator and all of our panelists for participating today and Kate Peeper of the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative for her assistance. Also a big congratulations to the Pink Skies Ahead team, whom you'll be meeting in just a moment on their world premiere last night at AFI Fest. A couple of quick announcements. The chat function will not be on for this session. However, if you'd like to comment, we'd love to hear from you on social media at hashtag AFI Fest. And please be sure to join us tomorrow at the summit for a pre-recorded session EW's The Awardist, a conversation with director Julia Hart and Rachel Brosnahan. That session launches at 1 p.m. Pacific. We are back live for our final summit session on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for a very timely panel, From the Streets to the Legislature, a conversation with the filmmakers and subjects of All In, the Fight for Democracy, Entangled Roots. As always, for more information on all of the summit sessions and our film lineup, please go to fest.afi.com. Now on with the show. Our moderator today, Dr. Stacey L. Smith, PhD, is the founder of the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, the leading global think tank studying inequality in entertainment. Dr. Smith's groundbreaking research examines inclusion as it relates to gender, race, ethnicity, the LGBT community, mental health, and people with disabilities across film, TV, and digital platforms, the music industry, and film criticism. She has offered over 100 books, articles, chapters, and reports. In partnership with Time's Up, Tessa Thompson, and others, she launched the hashtag 4% Challenge. She served on the Recording Academy Task Force on Diversity and Inclusion, and is a founding board member of She Is The Music. She is Dr. Stacey L. Smith. Stacey, please take it away. Thanks, Ken, um, for your kind remarks. And it's great to be back at AFI Fest, um, albeit under some different circumstances than last year. Um, And today, I'm really um, looking forward to this conversation because we're virtually uh, joined by a compelling group of panelists who are here to discuss centering characters with mental health conditions in film and television. This panel uh, was really a fortuitous event um, as Pink Skies Ahead, a movie whose protagonist is depicted with an anxiety disorder premiered at AFI Fest um, to to quite um, uh, some some raving uh, uh, reviews. Um, I wanna keep my remarks brief because I really want to introduce uh, the panelists and get into a discussion um, about mental health and storytelling and, and why um, it's important, particularly as we face the dual pandemics right now, both COVID um, as well as uh, racial injustice uh, in this country and beyond. And so, so to kick off today's panel, um, we're going to start with a, a few clips. Um, and, and first we're going to uh, take a look and an excerpt um, from Kelly Oxford's uh, uh, directorial debut, uh, Pink Skies Head, followed by um, a clip 
from another one of our panelists who I will introduce uh, in just a second and MTV um, from the show 16 and Recovering. So before we introduce our clips, let's, our, our, our guests, please let's roll the clips. Great, I, I hope you enjoyed those clips, which will um, be a backdrop um, uh, of this conversation we're going to have with our stellar uh, uh, panelists. And I'm really hoping that it will be a conversation um, across uh, uh, our, our panelists um, to talk about um, issues of mental health and storytelling uh, in 2020. So I, I'm, I'm pleased uh, to announce that from the film Pink Skies Ahead, we have director, writer, Kelly Oxford joining us and the lead actor, Jessica Barden, who plays Winona. Um, thanks so much, ladies. I hope you're basking uh, in the glow of everyone talking so wonderfully uh, about this film and, and just your performance. Also on the panel, we have um, Dr. Christine Moutier from uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She's a chief medical officer um, with that organization and, and really uh, one of the leading um, voices uh, when it comes to not only uh, suicide prevention, but really thinking about mental health storylines in the entertainment industry and beyond. Um, we're also joined uh, by the Vice President of Social Impact at Viacom CBS, Nuper Argawal, um, who I also have had the pleasure of working with over the last many months. Um, and, and she will be discussing, I, I think uh, we're really excited to talk about some of the work that they've been doing um, uh, across the platforms, whether it's uh, MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, um, really the social impact arm, thinking about issues of mental health. And so, so um, thank you all for joining today and, and Kelly, um, again, congratulations on the MTV acquisition and for uh, the, the premiere of the film. Um, long time coming, but uh, what a great delivery. So, so first off, well done. Well done. Thank you so much. Um, Kelly, Pink Skies Ahead is, is, a, is a coming of age story unlike we've really seen before. Um, it centers on a young woman who is not only trying to understand her future, but she's also trying to cope with her own mental health challenges and specifically anxiety. Um, and, and we know that this type of storyline is, is quite rare. Um, our own initiative, uh, partnering with AFSP and, and Dr. Moutier, we found that less than 2% of all characters across 100 of films are shown with a mental health condition, and only about 15 characters total out of 4,500, roughly, are shown with anxiety or PTSD. So with these stats as a backdrop, um, and I know there was just a, a, a great in-depth story on you in the LA Times a few days ago, tell me a little bit about the origin story for this film. And, and why this film for your directorial debut? Right. Well, mostly for the reasons you've just given. There, there isn't a lot of representation for people with anxiety. And, and most people I know have it. Um, I wrote an essay called No Real Danger. Um, when the book came out and I went on book tour, that was the essay that everybody who got a book signed said touched them um you know and and that was shocking to me because it was you know the first time that i had shared my experience with having um a mental health issue with anybody and for it to come back to me in such a warm way and to connect with the community through sharing i just thought well this is the reason I, even though it's one essay in the book that's the greatest reason to have written this book um, and when I was searching for new ideas to write a new film, um, it occurred to me that that should be the story because there aren't any films 
that, that talk about this. And there are so many people that live it that I really wanted to get it on screen to, to get more, more eyes, more people feeling seen, more people being heard, more people feeling under disorder, less stigma around having any mental health health issue. And I wanted to tell the story in, you know, the way that it happened to me in a realistic, um, kind of a myopic way following this one character through her journey of being diagnosed through her process of, you know, shame and suppression, not telling her parents and, and finally, you know, not being able to control it anymore and realizing she wasn't in control of it to begin with, no matter how many things she tried to, you know, distract herself with. Um, so yeah, that's the story I wanted to tell. And, and I think that we, together, all of us, um, did it. Well, uh, I, I enjoyed the film and, and, you know, I, I was, we were having a conversation before, um, we came on to the, the, the panel and I, I want to ask, uh, Dr. Moutier, uh, about her reaction and, and Christine, I know that you, um, advising or consulting with different shows and, I just like your perspective on, I know you just saw Pink Skies Ahead. What, what was your reaction as um, someone who is not only a psychiatrist, but really is at the heart of st st uh, storytelling um, in the, your reaction to the film? Oh, there you go. Oh, there I am. I was just saying to Kelly that, um, you know, I, I live and breathe mental health and suicide prevention. I'm immersed in stories and science and, um, and, and just having watched Pink Skies Ahead, I loved it. I didn't want it to end. It, 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 so it grabbed me just from a human standpoint. But I think also because, as, as we've just been mentioning, the portrayals of people who live with mental health experiences, including mental health conditions and the whole spectrum of, of mental health that we all live with truly, um, is not being portrayed in a way out there generally that is um, able to help the public kind of move the needle beyond stereotypes, beyond misinformation. For example, the linkage between mental health conditions and violence is rampant in entertainment and completely inaccurate. Um, so there were so many things about the storyline, the plot and the portrayal by Jess as Winona, oh my goodness, like that it was relatable, that you got to feel the human emotion from um, really lacking much insight about how anxiety plays out for us as human beings. It does feel very physical. It feels like there are reasons to be stressed and moving through that process, um, but in a very sort of gritty way, it, it did not have, um, it didn't have a feel of, you know, an educational film. And yet it, it did everything right in terms of the portrayal of that journey the help and support sources around her, such as her parents, her friends, doctor, therapist, not being perfect, but being there and present, which which actually is true for all of us. And and they're not perfect, and that's okay. We don't need perfect. Um, to the to the portrayal of treatment and um, uh, both meds and talk therapy, it, it just it it really resonated for me. Congratulations again, Kelly and Jess. Thank you. So, so Christine, I'm going to come back to you about effects of these types of portrayals on on consumers. But, but Kelly, tell me a little bit about the journey of finding Winona. Because um, I, I want to talk to Jess about her experience on set in just a second. But, but how did you? How, how and when did you know Jessica was Winona? Um, just maybe tell us a little bit about that process um, before I, I ask Jess about her on set experiences. Um, well, I was a huge fan of Jessica's um, after watching End of the Effing World on, <laughs> I can't say it probably, on Netflix. Um, her character, I, her acting, her talent, I was just a huge fan of hers. Um, 
I followed her on Instagram and I saw that she was following me already and we had sent each other DMs and I hadn't even really noticed that it was Jessica Barden that I was like talking to. <laughs> and then I realized it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love that girl so much. She's so talented. Um, and when the script was done and I had written it, obviously the lead is the, the thing to the, that makes this movie work or not work. And she was, you know, the person that I went to first and I did slide into her dms and ask her if she wanted to read a script and um she read it and and it worked out for both of us that's amazing um uh i'm glad i follow you on twitter maybe i'll have such luck right um uh the casting was just one surprise after another um and and congratulations on just um you know, bringing me right back to the, the late 1990s um, in a way that I don't know if I wanted to go back, but I was there um, and experiencing it. Jessica, a lot of, um, of this film, you just embodied Winona in a way that viewers really, I think, can connect with and be transported by. And I think, you know, we've done a lot of work um, in the mental health space, but we've also done a lot of work on women directors in Hollywood. And and I know you've worked with a few. And I'm curious about the onset experience of working with a director writer uh, on, on a personal story to her. Um, can you really tell me a little bit about what that experience was like working uh, with Kelly behind the camera and how did that change the atmosphere on set from maybe other times that you've worked with um, uh, uh, males behind the camera or who are leading the charge? What what did Kelly's sensibility bring to this, um, this narrative and how did it help inspire your role on screen? I mean, with Kelly, she's this really open person and so comfortable with it and like I don't know like when somebody I'm trying to think what to say unless without thinking about people that could be watching and just being like I wrote and directed a movie that you did <laughs> but Kelly was so upfront about everything in the past if I've made a movie where it was based on somebody the director the writer anybody sometimes it's not like this open thing and it's kind of cryptic and they leave you to maybe work out yourself which is like whatever that could work for that movie but with this everything was just kind of out there and anybody could talk to kelly about anything it was so collaborative i think that's because she was so confident in what she was doing and everything was so organized so it meant that she could just turn up and be completely free on the day and there was just nothing that I felt like I couldn't discuss with her, which obviously is extremely important. If, you know, we filmed the whole panic sequence on the second day, that the last 25 minutes of the movie were done by day five, which is crazy. And yeah, it is so much easier to do that with a woman, I guess, like it is, but it, I guess this, that's just me personally. Um, it is a really different relationship to work with a male director. Um, there's a lot more banter and the conversations have to be, you kind of have to go around the houses a bit more before you can get to something if it's personal, um, which can have its reason and it can be great, it can be constructive. But for this movie and what we were trying to, trying to do, um, it was so valuable that we could just go okay so like do you think that I should just be like full nervous breakdown crying or should I just do like maybe just like little tears which actually is a really hard conversation to have with someone like it is um it's difficult to to want to go to that place when you're filming especially on the second day of something on a set because I don't know about anybody else, but for me, 
you know, obviously you are thinking about the character when you're doing something like a panic attack or having like a breakdown of some kind, but also at the same time, you're thinking about your own experiences. So it's really vulnerable. And for whatever reason, it just is easier to do that with other women. You know, they don't ask invasive questions. It's just a lot more instinctive, like they understand. Um, but it was definitely crazy unique with Kelly because we basically are the same person. I don't know why, like we just are. And oh, I just would have done anything for Kelly. If Kelly was like, okay, now you have to wrestle a bear, I would have been like, okay, let's go, let's do it, you know? Um, it, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that I'll ever have another experience with a director like the one that I had with Kelly, you know? It was really unique. That's great. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, there's a few filmmakers that have a tendency to work with the same person over over again. I can think of Nicole Hollis Center comes to mind as doing that um, and a few others. But but perhaps this will be the first of, of a few things that we'll see from Kelly and Jessica over time. I love it. <laughs> um, which would be fantastic. Um, Christine, I want to hop back to you real quick. Um you know, our work together has really shown that the depiction of mental health conditions, um, and, and you touched on this, can often be trivializing, dehumanizing, uh, and stigmatizing. Um, they can also be shown in caustic or humorous contexts that can lead to, to negative effects. And in some of your opening remarks, you talk a little bit about how Pink Skies Ahead you know, and I've heard you speak about this over the years, was really authentic and nuanced um, and how important that is for audiences. Can you tell us about the research and what it does say in terms of the impact of storytelling on things like help seeking, um, empathy, self-care, and, and where are the problematic portrayals? Because we're talking about something that I think we would all agree um, falls into that real um, authenticity that that we want viewers to experience. But but where do storytellers start to get themselves in trouble um, in terms of effects? Uh, what tell us what the research says? Sure, and this is really important because as much as science is growing and shedding light on how the brain works and how mental health plays out for human beings, um, it, it, there, nothing will compare to how media and entertainment has a role in changing culture with regard to any complex and especially formerly um, stigmatized topics where there's a lot of taboo around. And I, you know, in our nation, we're in this state of rapid change where mental health has become very well understood at the superficial level as a valid and real part of human health. But that's not enough because we can see what that does for our nation. We still have an epidemic of mental health suffering, not enough access to care. So, so by portraying a character like Winona in this authentic way where she is a full human being with, with um, you know, her intelligence, her hopes, her dreams, her relationships, um, but where the, at least the sophisticated viewers can already start to see that anxiety is playing a role in, in shaping some of the aspects of her life and perhaps limiting her in ways that even she doesn't see, she's not able to see yet. Those are ways that I think you relate to the viewers um, and, and sort of allow them to start self-reflecting about their own mental health concerns versus characters that are not authentically portrayed where mental health is sort of like a layer. It's like a plot device that's thrown in. It's sometimes used for humor or, or to fulfill a role in, the, in a plot that ends up being very confusing, very stigmatizing, and frankly alienating, driving viewers who have mental health conditions gives them the strong message, I better stay silent with my experiences because 
you know, there's no place in this world that are being portrayed by these shows for support, for healing, for that kind of journey to be had, which, which by the way, millions of Americans are having now. I'm so thrilled to say, and, and that's why I think Kelly um, and Jess, the response is so robust because this is like um, a, a level of interest that is sort of has been dammed up and people are wanting to be able to talk about it. There is power and healing in just disclosing and talking to others. Um, like in the support group portrayal in the film, but that is happening on social media and, and all throughout. So it's, I can't emphasize enough that for anyone who is in a, has a platform for creating content that's going to reach viewers, if you have um, an interest in portraying mental health, please do it. And please know there are ways to do that in a way that will not only provide entertaining content for the world, but can actually help move the needle on our, our ability to live out our lives in a much more sophisticated way when it comes to mental health. We, we should be able to do that in the United States in this day and age. We really should. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's so much more to be said about like what not to do, but um, those were some of the real highlights that that differentiated this film. And that I think I think we are seeing more of, honestly, Stacey, even since we did our study a couple years ago. Well, and I'm, I'm looking forward to um, us releasing uh, the update, which will be very soon. So um, uh, but I think your remarks are the perfect segue to, to Newper and and a little bit about um, what you've been working on. And, and what's interesting, Nuber, is that Viacom CBS has really made um, storytelling involving or around mental health a priority. Um, and I know with our work together, that's definitely the case. I'm, I'm hoping that you can share some examples of how Viacom CBS has really integrated mental health into its content um, and to, to speak to the impact, as Christine just mentioned, um, the impact of those storylines on audiences, particularly um, adolescents or young adults. And, and what, what seems to work well? And where is there still lots of room for improvement leading into the future? Yeah, thank you, Stacey, um, for, for hosting this discussion. Um, I'll just start by sharing a little bit about the context and background history of our networks. Um, I've been leading our mental health work at MTV for the past 13 years. And around that time, we launched a mental health campaign that was aimed at bringing attention to mental health. And this was back, you know, in 2006 and seven, when conversations about mental health weren't quite as open as fortunately they are becoming today. Um, so we were you know, having artists like Demi Lovato or, or Mary J. Blige, who's also in Pink Skies Ahead, open up about their uh, personal struggles, students um, talking about what they're going through, documentaries about the topic, and you name it. And of course, that was really important at breaking stigma and sparking dialogue. But we started to see as we were doing this, this huge opportunity emerging within our shows. A lot of our shows are unscripted. So they feature real people going through real issues and mental health was just coming up naturally in the context of telling those real stories. So we started to partner with experts and think about how can we use these organic storylines and infuse messages that are positive and supportive and that encourage help seeking. And over the past decade or so, that's really evolved into a huge stream of, of how we are able to reach the audience with these messages. Looking just at the last year alone, we had major mental health storylines in our top shows from like Teen Mom on MTV to Love and Hip Hop on VH1. And we saw 300,000 people seek help as a result of seeing an integration within a show. And then when we surveyed people to ask them what they thought of these integrations and how they were impacting them, we were seeing huge numbers of people saying that that depiction would help them um, you know, think about mental health differently, it would make them want to support a friend, it would break down stigma in a particular community they might be a part of. Um, so, I mean, one of the things I'll just highlight that I'm personally very excited about is um, the power we have to model effective peer support. That is something we have seen time and time again. When a cast member opens up about a mental health struggle, showing what the rest of the cast does in that moment can really set the tone for how somebody would feel that they should respond if they were in a similar situation. So I think there's huge opportunity 
to really model more positive behaviors, peer support, healthy coping, resilience building, really expanding the aperture of how mental health is depicted. That's great. And I want to come back to you um, a little bit more on even more concrete steps that uh, you've been working on. Um, but, but building off of what you just said, and I do want to ask you, is that research available that you just mentioned in terms of impact uh, of storylines on audiences? I, I'm, I wish my students were watching today, but is there a way that we can get access to some of that information? Because that's very powerful, some of those numbers you just shared. Yeah, um, that's internal research done by our insights team just for the purposes of us really understanding impact. But our hope is going forward we can do more robust research that is publicly available that we would want to share. Um, but I'm happy, of course, to share our internal insights with you uh, just to give you kind of a look at what we're seeing thus far. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that some of these kinds of conversations will translate into academia and other research uh, firms really trying to understand uh, the impact, uh, both in short and long term, on um, the positive gains in terms of help seeking, identification, um, and feeling a sense of, of support when the media might be really your only uh, way to connect on a particular issue. Um, Kelly, I want to, you know, jump back to you and in, in thinking about mental health storytelling. Um, I'm curious, uh, uh, you know, it's a personal story, but did you work at all um, during the film uh, with experts on Pink Skies Ahead? And if so, uh, how were they helpful in the process um, uh, before, during, or after uh, production? Um, actually, I didn't. I considered it for a while, but I really thought that if I did more research, I would lose the feeling of Winona by adding more information that she didn't have. And I really wanted the movie to portray it from a realistic point of view from somebody who gets diagnosed and what, and it was literally verbatim conversation I had with Dr. Cotton, who's my actual doctor, um, Dr. Monroe, conversation with Dr. Monroe. I just remembered verbatim what they said to me um, felt very comfortable with it and wanted to tell the story from Winona's point of view rather than get more information and, and load it up and and do something like that. I felt that it would really take the heart out of out of what Winona was doing. I and who knows, maybe maybe it wasn't the best decision, but um, I could have gone deeper. I'm sure I could have made it work, but I like it the way it is. And um, yeah, so I didn't I didn't talk to anybody. Well, you know, from a from your perspective, the story really landed, um, and I, I think that there are a lot of times that writers' rooms or um, folks telling stories maybe more of an arm's length or even further away from from personal experience. And so, so I'm curious, Christine, um, what can you lift the hood on on what that process is like when working with content creators? who may need some help, um, who maybe don't have uh, kind of the, the sensibility that Kelly has and, and the ability to connect based on, you know, their own lived experiences, lift the hood on what that process is like when you interface with writers and producers on storylines. We'll need you to all over the map in terms of where they are when they when they're uh, when they come to us um, meaning they may have their own lived experiences with mental health uh, issues a family member struggling they may have survived a suicide attempt they may have lost a loved one to suicide um, or they like you said may may have had um, no experiences like that and and they're early in their sort of curiosity about how it all works and how it should be portrayed um, I think in the case of Pink Skies Ahead, I mean, I will just say that it, it had all of the messages that any expert would have wanted it to contain. And if any expert had tried to meddle with the authenticity, then they would have been doing it a disservice. Um, what, what generally happens is that depending on what stage the project is in, 
we might hear about an early idea and start talking about some of the um, some of the things to consider as in terms of ways to do it safely, meaning without any element of either suicide contagion risk or without um, further stigmatizing the mental health experiences. And, um, and oftentimes then as we get farther into the process of reviewing scripts, maybe seeing some rough cuts, then, then it really starts to narrow down to very minute kind of nuance um, questions around portrayal of certain topics and, and scenes. And at least the way my team and I operate at, at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, we're very sort of, I, I hope, reality-based in terms of like we know sometimes it's not going to be about getting it to and shouldn't be about getting it to the point of looking and feeling like an educational documentary film. It has to retain its, you know, um, grittiness and, and, and life sort of immediacy, which is fraught with, you know, all kinds of unexpected messiness in all of our lives. And so um, so oftentimes we're we're looking at very nuanced sort of options. Um, and, and so it can be at any point along that way. And again, um, I think the best kind of, of collaborative process is the, the content creator maintains the absolute sense of, you know, artistic sort of vision for this. And these are kind of very, um, well, again, it can go from very concrete guidelines around language uh, or ways that if if language that is dehumanizing or does um, use old language that we no longer recommend related to suicide, i.e. the phrase commit suicide as if it's, uh, you know, a crime, um, that there are still, even if, even if that is portrayed by one character, it can still move forward and be addressed in a different way later on in a similar way that I found in Pink Skies Ahead that the immediate question that Winona got from a friend about being diagnosed with anxiety was what caused it? Like what, what went wrong? Like as if there was one thing that would lead to this, um, you know, this sort of, it, you know, was it more of a stigmatized conversation, which then in the plot of the film moves beautifully to show that there are conversations later that happen where genetics is related, a family history is inquired about. Um, you know, so so that there's just so many amazing ways to be able to kind of move from maybe assumptions people already have into widening that lens into the reality of mental health and showing that um, the person at the end of the day will get to retain their their power of choosing how it is they navigate their path. And I loved how there were, you know, there was yoga, there was breathing, there was a pediatrician in primary care and a therapist and parents and friends. Like it was just, just beautifully done. So sorry, I keep going back to Pink Skies Ahead because I'm just, I'm enamored right now. <laughs> Um, uh, that actually your comments are great because I, I want to piggyback on something that you just said and, and ask Jessica, um, uh, another question and, and, you know, Kelly, I just, in terms of, of what, uh, Christine just said, um, the pediatrician and Henry Winkler's character, uh, again, such an amazing casting choice, um, uh, and, and just laughing, uh, in, in so many regards with with Winona and her experiences in this story. Um, Jessica, Christine just articulated maybe from a, a medical practitioner's point of view, um, what she hopes to see and, 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 and how she desires maybe stories to land. And, and I'm curious, um, what do you hope that audiences will take away from Winona? And are there any outcomes or effects you hope the film will have on audiences? Um, I mean, we discussed this last night. The panic sequence was something that I was very nervous about. That was the only thing where I felt a lot of responsibility and that I was worried about. I didn't 
want it to look like we were saying, oh, this is like everybody's version of anxiety. This is going to happen to everybody. Everybody's going to throw up. And if you don't, then guess what? You have even a wrong kind of anxiety. You know, I didn't want it to be like that. But at the same time, that is a completely private thing that happens because my experience of anxiety having a panic attack like even when i'm in public and i can be having a panic attack and no one would ever know it's crazy it only really tends to be so bad when you're alone and no one gets to really see it you know unless you live with your parents like in this movie but it's a really private thing and like why would you ever discuss it because it, it just sounds so physically insane, you know, that like your brain would defy your body like that. And I, I really wanted to, I don't know, like put that on screen because that was the times when I was like, oh no, like I'm genuinely not okay. And I don't understand how to explain this to anybody. And I think it's important for people to see that it's, it is kind of normal. You know, that's what happens to you if you have anxiety. Also, I could never, through my own experience with anxiety and having panic attacks, I like could never get over the fact that like, it didn't have any real lasting damage to my body. You know, like it doesn't, no one would be able to know that that happened to me. So just like this constant confusion over what's real and what isn't that I think the movie does a good job of representing as well and also I wanted to help to break down a stereotype of what a person is with anxiety I think a lot of people presume that it's the quiet person someone that's nervous and you know maybe you don't know their name and they try and fade into the background a lot which of course like they can have anxiety but You know, again, my experience was a lot of people being like, oh, are you sure that you have anxiety? Because, you know, you talk a lot, but you always want to have a good time. You love being around people. Or, you know, I remember in my teenage years, I would try and see a doctor and, you know, they would kind of dismiss me because I was there wearing mascara, you know, or like because I was wearing jeans. They were like, well, you know, this could just be a bad time. And just this idea that how could someone like me or Kelly or Winona have an anxiety disorder because you have friends and you go to bars and you're the loudest person there and you are confident with people and you do have bright blue hair and you want people to look at you and yeah, you are comfortable with that. But at the same time, there's a private, there's a whole other private narrative happening in your head that is like, just so hard to deal with and you can have both you know you can be the person that's like let's go do karaoke after this but at the same time you can just be walking around thinking that you have cancer all the time and you have no idea why and like that's totally okay um yeah i guess just my own experiences of constantly people doubting if I really understood what anxiety was or any type of mental illness, just because like I went to Topshop and curled my hair or like, this doesn't seem like somebody that has this. And you're like, okay, like, thanks Brad. Like, I don't know what to say to you, watch this movie. Like, you know, sorry, my dog's crazy. A dog actually has anxiety. Uh, thanks, Jess. Um, uh, and, and thank you what you just uh, articulated. I think it's so important. Um, you know, this idea of stories resonating and, and characters being able to really have an impact. Nooper, I, I hope MTV is thinking about a, a social campaign around this film. I have some ideas. I'm sure Christine has some ideas. But Based on what just just shared and and what Kelly you know wanted to bring, I think adolescents and young adults um, experiencing this and talking about this movie um, could be so important in terms of accelerating the effect and, and normalizing having conversations about our mental health. 
So that was my preamble to my next question, Newfer. Um, I know you've been working on an initiative um, to help create a mental health media guide. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, about this process? Why is this kind of resource uh, uh, needed? Um, and and how, how is the resource gonna fit into the work stream that Kelly and Christine articulated? Um, and, and in light of what, what Jessica hopes for her characters and, and normalizing variants um, that mental health conditions um, can, can have on individuals. So, so tell us a little bit about this guide and, and how it's going to be pulled. Yeah, um, so the idea for the mental health media guide really was born out of the experiences that we had when responding to mental health storylines with our shows, as I mentioned earlier. Um, we found that those moments were really impactful, but then we looked at the, the research that Dr. Smith and Dr. Moutier did um, last year and saw well, there was still a huge gap. Mental health was still very underrepresented, and when it was being represented, it was often doing more harm than good. And that kind of got us thinking about why, why aren't we capitalizing on this opportunity as storytellers? So we started having conversations with our expert partners, with our industry peers, and trying to really understand what we could create to inspire more of this type of storytelling. And we found three things in those conversations. One, there was a lack of coordination and alignment between all these different efforts. So we found so many great partnerships happening, so much great content but we weren't actually talking to each other and sharing best practices and lessons learned. Um, so there was a really big opportunity to kind of bring the experience and knowledge together in one place. Second, we found, at least on our end, we were being very reactive. It was storylines would come up and we would respond. And as I talked to other industry peers, it was the same kind of story. It was, you know, we're reacting and trying to keep up and do no harm, but like we're not actually creating the space to think about more positive stories. And then lastly, um, we were finding that a lot of times the mental health storytelling was really focused on a very narrow end of the spectrum. So it was like the crisis moment, the breakdown, but there wasn't anything else around it. Like what about all the daily struggles that people experience and the ways that they're getting help that really reflect a wider range of viewers? So with that, we kind of started to bring our partners together, including Annenberg and AFSP and others, and started to take all of these learnings, these best practices, and pull them together in a comprehensive guide for content creators like us and others who are looking for these recommendations. And I know not all folks will seek those out. It might not fit into their process, but our hope is that people who are looking for those can find them in a comprehensive, unified way, which is something that we've truly been missing and looking for, um, and also inspiring people who maybe hadn't thought about telling mental health stories to think about the white spaces and storytelling that exist and incorporate that into narratives where there might be a space to do so. Um, so in terms of fitting into the process, um, you know, more generally to your question, Stacey, um, our hope is that it becomes something that is living and breathing and evolves. So we want to hear from people as they use it and it, it won't launch till December. So we still have a little ways to go, but once it does launch, we want to figure out how we can be a tool that really does truly integrate into the way people create content and adapt this tool so that um, it really works within those different settings. Um, so more to come and, and we'll hope to, you know, really create something that's as actionable for as many creators as possible. That's great. I think, you know, lots of folks are going to be interested in the guide and we'll be looking forward to December um, for tangible best practices. Kelly, I'm curious, um, you know, in terms of the producerial team that you worked with and and was there any pushback with this storyline at all? Or did people embrace it as something that was anomalous to what we typically see in the ecosystem and and were there any implications um, getting financing for this film, um, given the storyline? I'm, I'm kind of curious about how the, the pieces all came together. It's so funny because um, basically producers Lisa Zambri and Greg Silverman got the script, read it, met me for coffee and said, we're making this movie. And I was like, like I know Greg, I've had a, I've had a long history with Greg um, when he was at Warner Brothers, and I was like, wait, but he's not gonna 
say that if it's not real, but they believed in the script from the moment they read it. They said they were going to make it. They, within a year, we were shooting, a year from when I wrote the script, we were shooting and find, they got, they found the money for it just based off the script. Everybody um, that was an executive producer or a financier came to set and talked to me privately and said how much the script meant to them, um, that anxiety needs to be talked about, that they were fully supportive of everything. There was no pushback at all in the script, at all in the the filming of it, um, any portrayals, any characters. There were, yeah, they were supportive of all of it. That's really good to hear. And not always the experience of women directors or other directors that have been historically marginalized. And it, it sounds like you had quite a, a fortuitous set of experiences finding your lead actor, finding financing, connecting with producers, um, I, you know, I wish everyone had that experience in terms of storytelling. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, at the at the top, we, we shared two clips, one um, the clip from Pink Skies Ahead, but but also, Nooper, we showed a, a clip from 16 and Recovering. So can you tell us a little bit uh, about that show, um, its reception, and, um, and, and, and really how it fits into this broader uh, Viacom CBS effort in terms of, of mental health. Yeah, I mean, I think that show is the perfect example of that shift from being reactive to proactive, of really trying to find those untold stories. Um, when you look at the landscape of how addiction is depicted in mainstream television, it's often very riddled with stereotypes and misconceptions and myths uh, about people who are dealing with substance use disorder. And this show, what is so special about it is it's really told from the perspective of those young people at Recovery High who are dealing with this day in, day out, and really shifting the narrative from addiction as a moral failing to really something where these young people need support in dealing with the mental health issues and um, challenges they're facing. So this really kind of marks where we'd like to go with storytelling within our network, finding those real stories um, that aren't really getting the, the bright light shown on them that they should. Um, and so far, the reception has been just absolutely amazing. People, I think, are really seeing a new face of this issue um, reflected on, you know, the, on mainstream television that they hadn't seen before. And it's really shifting perceptions, sparking conversations, and bringing people together around the fact that we actually need to think about systemic solutions to supporting people dealing with this rather than pointing fingers and placing blame, um, which had often been the case in the past. So this is, you know, hopefully just the beginning of more um, of this proactive storytelling we can do that really shifts narrative and hopefully creates action. Well, it's, it's obvious that, you know, there's a lot to talk about, and this isn't often a topic that we see discussed at film festivals, um, um, or even in, in a lot of communities still, there's, there's a lot of silence around um, issues of, of mental health and um, how important the conversation is simply as an outcome. I know for me in watching the show, or excuse me, the, the film, um, I just thought how heartening it is for, for so many young people um, around the age of the character to experience um, maybe not feeling alone. And so I'm just wondering if each of you um, could maybe think about and, and articulate your final thoughts on really thinking about mental health conditions and storylines and, and you know, particularly for Kelly and, and Jess, you know, what are you looking forward to in the, the days and weeks ahead when this story lands with young women, um, first in this country and then globally, what are your hopes? Um, what, what do you hope to hear from them? So Kelly, let's start with you. Um, I mean, I started hearing last night after the AFI presentation, the world premiere. I mean, people are, are surprised actually at how realistic the portrayal is and how realistic the portrayal is of the, the doctors and the family and how she goes through her own um, 
re-examining after she's diagnosed and and people and and that's what I want I want people to see themselves you know in her if they if they have an issue dealing with anxiety and and not feel so confused and alone like I did I mean that's part of the reason I set the movie in 1998 because at least now you can google anxiety disorder when you get home after your doctor tells you you have one in 1998 you couldn't go home and google it like I had no I just was like something's gonna happen to me like (laughs) what what is happening so so um you know for those people who don't go beyond the google I'm hoping that this will will inspire them to to realize that there there is a, a huge large community of people that feel like them and are completely capable in their everyday lives and just have this thing that they have to deal with and their families have to deal with and their spouses and children have to deal with and that it's okay and that you can get through it and you know you can have a career and you can have kids and everything can be fine but when you're 20 you don't know that so yeah it's a great point and, and Jess, I know we only have about two minutes left. Jess, how about you? What what are your final thoughts and hopes for how this lands? I mean, obviously, I agree with everything that Kelly said. So I'll just add on top of it. This sounds weird and like maybe inappropriate, but do all of that. Like be like, OK, like I'm going to be fine. And then just go one step further and just like. I hope that people then can just not be afraid of their life if they get a mental health diagnosis that shocks them you can be like oh i can do so many cool things of this like this actually is something that can make me really special and such an asset to people and lastly you can start to see the humor in all of it because there is actually a lot of humor in having an anxiety disorder there there just is it takes a long time to get there and you have to find the right therapist and the right things that work for you But once you get through that and you do that work, you can laugh so much at yourself. And that is the silver lining or the pink sky ahead, you know? Like there is so much that you can start to enjoy from your life and you can embrace your anxiety and or your depression or whatever it is. There's so much humor in it as well. So that just laughing at yourself. Because it, it is kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. And just very briefly, Christine and Newper. I just, I think this film will resonate. And I'm just, I actually am full of optimism. Even though right now is a time of tremendous challenge and suffering and anxiety, depression, and um, lots of mental health struggles are actually up right now um, around the world. But certainly in the US, all of our recent mental health surveys show that. But there's, but we're talking about it now, and more and more people are able to realize that these are issues of health, not any, you know, anything else. Um, and just like all health issues, we should be able to. They're private, but then we can share them. We get to choose. We carve out our own path. And there's a community. So I am actually full of optimism. I think more content creators can can do this and are interested in doing it. And um, and those of us in the space are are ready to engage. So thanks. Great. Yeah, I'll just quickly, yeah, I'll quickly add that. My hope is that we as storytellers get out of this binary of mentally ill and mentally well and really recognize that mental health is a continuum. We all have mental health and anytime you're talking about a character or a cast member, they have mental health and there's ways to represent that within your content. Um, And also recognizing that there's unique experiences that people face depending on what community that they belong to. So really ensuring we're also lifting up those diverse representations of mental health. And like Christine, I'm very optimistic that we're headed in the right direction. Uh, What an amazing panel. Um, As a social scientist, I'm always skeptical. Um, I'm not optimistic, but but with your, your film, Kelly, I really am hoping audiences think about the possibilities and the imagination that storytelling can fill in a new way. Um, and for shows like 16 and Recovering and what Viacom CBS is doing um, to really put mental health at the, the center, um, as uh, you know, 
vast numbers of individuals in the United States report um, having mental health conditions at some point or over time um, in their lifetimes. Um, like Nuper and Christine, I, I can share that optimism. Panelists, thank you so much. Jessica and Kelly, best of luck in the days and weeks ahead. And, um, and, and whatever the next steps are in terms of, of your careers, um, I hope you can continue both to surprise us with stories that resonate um, in ways that uh, we haven't seen before. So thank you all of you. Um, and uh, uh, thanks for joining us at AFI Fest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.